Hey everyone, Shelly and Adam with Marketing Monday coming to you live from the sunroom and the pallet prison. And we have our wonderful Shannon Ward on with Thrive After Birth. And Shannon, how, do you, how long ago was it that you were on with us last time? Do you remember? Like you were one of our- I think I think she was like yeah. guest number two. I was gonna I say, I was. I was gonna say it was very early. And so- yeah. We have her back on today because she has a little bit of an update. You just went through a new training class, and we had a mm -hmm. couple of minutes here to talk a little bit about that. And um, I think we're going to dive into some pretty interesting scenarios <laughs> that um, are, I think are actually pretty unique, but coming from a little bit of knowledge of what I have, um, I mm -hmm. have some thoughts on it. But anyways... Why don't you very quickly just give us a rundown on um, who you are, Thrive After Birth, what you've been mm -hmm. up to for the last couple of months, and okay. then this program that you uh, just took. Yeah, awesome. Uh, so I'm Shannon Ward. I live up in Hartford near Sioux Falls, and I own Thrive After Birth. So I work as a certified postpartum doula, a new parent educator, and the the training that I just completed is to become a Becoming Us facilitator. So the Becoming Us program is uh, coming out of Australia. It's a wonderful lady named Ellie Taylor who developed the curriculum and uh, she wrote a book called Becoming Us. I have it here. Uh, which way? But um, there we go. <laughs> Becoming Us. Um, so if you're interested in uh, purchasing the book, you can get that on Amazon as well. Um, but basically what the training does is it helps me to break this down for couples. It's a five session or a four session uh, class. And yeah, over the past uh, few months, it's been kind of a little interesting for my business because I work so closely with, uh, with people that I haven't really been seeing clients. Um, so I have been pouring... Um, a lot of work into this finishing this um, certification. I also am completing my uh, new parent educator certification as well and um, coming up with curriculum to put out on more virtual style since that's kind of how it seems that things are kind of shifting. So that's, yeah. that's what I've been up to. Definitely. Um, awesome. So Shelly, do you have any knowledge about this um, program at all since this I mean, is kind I, of your world? I probably have a more in-depth knowledge than you do, um, mainly because, you know, I've been kind of walking with Shannon a little bit through this as she's been going through the training. This has been, I mean, this isn't just something that she went to like a weekend retreat for, right? So like, mm -hmm. gosh, it was like a year, year and a half ago when you and I talked yep. about this probably. Yep. Um, yep. So, I mean, this is definitely something that's been in the works for quite some some time. And it's, it's interesting to see because this... <clears throat> particular education curriculum focuses so much more heavily on the parents. And mm -hmm. while most, <clears throat> excuse me, while most um, birthing classes um, that people take are focused so heavily on the baby and how to deliver mm -hmm. the baby and all of that sort of thing, becoming us from what I understand and Shannon, please correct me and jump in wherever yeah, go for I'm it. wrong here, but the, it's so different from anything else because it focuses very, very heavily on the parents and building yeah. that strong foundation with the parents mm -hmm. before you become parents essentially, um, <clears throat> which is a con entirely new concept in my opinion mm -hmm. to this area. I don't think that there's really 
anything that ha- I've ever seen in you know, almost 15 years of being in this world that focuses heavily on the relationship and um, the connection and being on the same page as parents. But I think it's so incredibly smart. So that's really yeah, interesting. I... That's really sorry, uh, Shannon. That's that's really yeah. interesting to me because, like, I mean, just from the outside looking in, I and not obviously knowing anything about that um, about this. Like, I can definitely see where, um, as parents, like we get so mystified about why children do certain things. Mm-hmm. And in my uneducated opinion, and, and as someone who is just basically learning this as as we go, you're a dad, you yeah, know. <laughs> I I, it, it, I don't know the best way to put this, but it seems like to me that like children make a lot of decisions more off of emotion than they do anything else. And like, mm-hmm. they're just such emotional human beings operating mm-hmm. off of the reptilian brain until they get to like a certain age. And then yep. very slowly they start to be like, you know, actually if I don't throw my toy against the wall, like I can, <laughs> I, I can actually get other things done as well, but they're just so yeah. the only reasoning that they have is like extreme emotion swings and that, mm-hmm. and that's it. And so trying to us as basically having um, conscious thought and being able to like think through things for the last, well, I'm 31. So let's just go ahead ahead and say in the last 25 years, I've been able to use my, you know, more of my brain. Mm -hmm. Like it just seems- When you're making those connections, those neurotransmitters have already connected where that's what you're noticing with your little ones. They haven't made those like, when they make the, oh, I threw the toy at the wall and they got mad and then, or not mad, but you know, that upset them. And so now I'm not getting something else when they're able to make that connection. We've been doing that, like you said, for 25 years. So yeah, and they're using you exactly what you said is their reptilian brain is where they're functioning. Yeah, from. I'm hungry, make noises, <laughs> I get fed. Like, yes, like, <laughs> exactly. Jonathan right now, um, just a real quick aside. He, we just realized this weekend that we actually like trained Ben how to crawl. Like we would put him up on his knees and like, then Ben after a little while, mm-hmm. would you know, crawl like this. Whereas Jonathan, we haven't really done any of that. And he learned how to crawl by, and he just does this. He only crawls with just his <laughs> arms and it's just the, the army thing. crawl. Yeah. It's just <laughs> the funniest thing to watch. Cause, and then we realized we're like, well, why does he do that? You know, but that's like how, like that little reptilian brain works is yeah. like, I see something over there. How do I get over to it? And then you just, mm-hmm. I don't know. Do they the figure inspire. it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and it's actually crawling. Crawling specifically is an interesting one because ever like no baby will crawl alike. And some of them, it's totally normal for them. Some babies go straight to walking and we, we don't realize that we don't know that that's okay, but some babies just figure it out faster or they don't want to crawl and they figure out walking fast. So that's yeah. pretty, to, to see a difference in your children too is pretty normal. Also, uh, yeah. Never <laughs> What's that? It never crawled. Who did? Sorry. Eight, my last one. Oh, you kept cutting out just just oh. as soon as you were saying the name. Yeah, no, she never crawled. So hmm. the other, I mean, yeah. they were all very different, but she's and she was so tiny. Like that's what surprised me is that like she, well, just she figured it out for it, man. Yeah. So we're uh, eight minutes into this. I just really want to quickly give a shout out to anybody who's watching this. If you guys have parenting questions or any questions that you have for Mm -hmm. Shannon in general, please do comment and 
I'm sure that any of us would love to, love to. Dive, dive into anything. I know that you have a big passion for the, well, both of you have a super huge passion yeah. for this. I'm mostly passionate about how to survive without um, lots of drugs and alcohol. So <laughs> I mean, minimal amounts, hopefully, but minimal yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's interesting to me though, that now the focus, well, this specific training course anyway, is now focusing on mm-hmm. parents, which to me actually makes a lot of sense because you talk to a lot of parents and they're just kind of like, oh, we just kind of like went into it and we just, you just right. kind of figure it out as you go. And yeah. Yeah. to a point, I think that there is a lot of adapting that has to go on because yeah. no two kids are alike. And, Mm-mm. you know, Shelly and I have actually gotten pretty close because was it your last one that um, gave, gave you a lot of problems the same way with Jonathan and I, is mm-hmm. that correct? Yeah. So Shelly and I have grown pretty close because of that bonding. But, you know, now when I talk to somebody who's got two easy kids, it's almost like a taste of disgust in my mouth. And I want to be like, listen, I don't like, don't even talk to me. Go over there. Go over in your easy corner. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, that's kind of interesting that this is this is a shift because in that way, in that parenting's are parents are now the focus. So is this on? the relationship between the two parents and how they're co-parenting together or try to like Um, prepare them for it. Yeah. All of that. Uh, So it's based on developmental psychology and attachment theory. Um, So developmental uh, psychology is exactly what you were talking about before, Adam, where you were mentioning, you know, um, the stages that the the kids go through to, to learn different things. Um, We still are doing that as adults as well. So that applies there. And then attachment theory um, is all based on um, whether or not you have a secure avoidant. um, There's like five now, but you can establish when you're an infant. So it's all based on um, when you were very tiny and small, how much attention you got versus how much you felt like you had to fight for that attention. Um, and that's why I'm a, I'm a big proponent for attachment parenting, um, simply because I am a an example of an avoidant attachment style. Uh, and it wasn't until I got married that that changed, which is another thing that can happen. So this program really focuses on the fact that your attachment style is going to really affect how you and your partner communicate with each other. And it's also going to affect how you are with your children. Um, so those are the two kind of really main like psychology things she pulls from. Um, and then the other things are kind of, so she has a nest building plan, which is five pages long. And it, it basically asks you questions that are going to point you towards, you know, what you might need to know. So for example, um, you just mentioned it, you know, that if you have a problem with or uh, something that's going on with your child that you can't figure out, you could reach out to Shelly as a resource because she has experience, you know, having a little bit more difficult of a, of a infant. Whereas, um, you know, you wouldn't call one of your other buddies who has easy kids. So what this, the nest building plan does is it helps parents to really like ask those pointed questions of another one that is in there is, uh, and Shelly and I talk about this all the time, the difference between a help, a helper and a visitor, because there is a big difference. And you want to have those people come at different times. Because for example, a helper is somebody you want to have come as soon as the baby's born, because they're not as focused on holding the baby or being around the baby. They're focused on making sure that, you know, your laundry's done, you have 
you know, dishes aren't on the counter, those kinds of things. Whereas a visitor is a perfect person to have come when the baby's a little bit older because they can take the baby to the park while you take a shower or have a break. Um, and so the distinction between who those people are in your life, it has a whole page for professional um, resources in the area. So what it does for me is it really gets into those conversations that a lot of parents, they like you said, you just, you kind of wing it. And this makes it so they're not winging it. They have very defined steps into that process. Um, and I know you'd asked me um, what they were. And so when you're ready, I'll, I'll kind of hammer those out. But yeah, do you have any other questions? Well, Shelly, right do, do you have anything that you want to add? Or I want to leave uh, you out. You know, I just, I've, I think it's so interesting to me that, and I never really thought about this until Shannon started going through Becoming Us and I learned a little bit more about it. But you know, it would be so completely unacceptable in the American culture for somebody to meet somebody and then immediately marry them, jump into that major life change, right? Mm -hmm. However, and, and basically saying like, you don't know anything about how they feel on important right. topics to marriage, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But it's completely acceptable within our culture for people to have a baby and never talk anything about their parenting styles so and come together and discuss all of that. So it's mm -hmm. such a mind shift because our culture has just been like, well, you learn how to deal with it. But the reality of it is how many of those differences end up breaking marriages or leading mm -hmm. to the breakup of marriages because they weren't on the same page from the beginning in the foundation of it, right? And not saying they shouldn't have kids together, but just really before until talking about those things before you're in the heat of the moment and being like, whoa, I don't want to spank my kids. Wait, you like you want to spank them? And now you have like, instead of having a discussion about it and working through it prior yeah. to it becoming an issue, now you're all of a sudden mm -hmm. trying to discuss it when it's already an issue. There's an issue. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Shelly, did you, what kind of conversations did you have with Corey when you guys were going to be having kids? Honestly, we didn't. I mean, especially with our older two, once we got to the younger two, things were very different by that point because, and I say younger two, but I mean, <laughs> Chase is still part of the older ones for the most part. But um, because I had the store at that point, we were a lot more educated. Um, we knew a lot more of the resources that were out there, but we really didn't. And unfortunately, you know, I didn't even really get to see Corey's parenting style for the most part, nor did he see mine because I wasn't really close with my parents. His mom passed away when I was eight months pregnant with him, with Patrick, with our oldest. And so, you know, we never, neither of us had like those parent relationships either to reach back and really even see how mm -hmm. well they were raised this way. There's a good chance they're going to raise their kids this way. And so... I mean, looking back on it now, 16 years later into the parenting gig, like, I think that probably helped us, honestly, because neither one of us went into it with preconceived notions about, well, this mm -hmm. is how he was raised. So this is what he's going to do with our kids. Um, and I think it left both of us more open to being more understanding of how the other person was raised, maybe. But mm -hmm. I, I'm yeah. just just as a guest, did you guys have like, really good communication between the two of you to where like, when problems came up, like you talk through it or is that also something that you just kind of <laughs> winged it on and I mean if you want the super honest answer I mean you can probably guess that I just have a very dominant personality and for the most part I'm like hey, this is what we're doing and he's like all right <laughs> like, and I don't say that <laughs> but like that's just for the most part like 
he says it more that he trusts my decision making. And there are things that we haven't agreed upon over the years. Like we've had major discussions about big topics like vaccinations and circumcision and all of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But as far as like attachment with our kids, like baby wearing and making baby food versus buying it and breastfeeding mm-hmm. versus bottle feeding and all of that kind of stuff. He was kind of like, you know, you do a ton of research on stuff and I'm going to trust that you're never going to do anything to hurt us or our kids. And if you think that that's what's best, then I'll support you in that. Yeah. And it's always been more of a like, let it's not an, I don't care. It's a, if you feel that's what's best, I'll support you in that. And he speaks up when he feels like it's important to speak up. So. Mm-hmm. Got it. All right. And I think, as you mentioned too, Shelly, like it's gotten, you, it's gotten, your communication has gotten better as you've, as you've had more children, just because you've had to have more conversations about different things too, as well, probably. Yeah. I mean, obviously as they get older and you have more kids, there's just more things that are about, right? Like there's just a lot more stuff that, you know, we're heading into the college age. Like we got two years with one of our kids left and three years with the other one. Like, there's a whole lot of conversations that we're having to, you know, discuss about, is this kid ready to go out into the real world? You know? Mm-hmm. So, and I'm sure that's not even remotely on your radar, Adam, with the ages of your kids. You uh, know? I mean, yes and no, like this is probably, this might be foolish of me and, you know, we might be having a conversation five years from now, but <clears throat> Benjamin to me seems like he's going to be the type of kid that's very self-sufficient and I'm not going to be too worried about, like even right now we can leave him downstairs for hours on end and we're not, we're just not worried about him putting his finger into the light socket or, you know, something like that. He's just very self-sufficient. Like that's just the way he's always been. Like if he's hungry, he goes and gets his own snacks out of the cupboard and just, (laughs) he just takes care of it. You know what I mean? Jonathan, I think it's too early to make a judgment call on that at nine months old. So, (laughs) but, uh, is that getting his own snacks yet? No, I mean, if he keeps crawling and so he pulled himself up the other day. So maybe, I mean, it might now be where we say, oh, you want something? Okay, we'll go get it. Like, yeah, find it yourself. Yeah. We'll just have a little light that turns on and it blinks over there and it catches his eye. And he <laughs> army like crawls <laughs> <laughs> But okay, I think so- this goes, this goes back to a little bit. Sorry, I'll finish with this. Um, this, this also speaks a lot to both your and Jessica's personalities as well. Like, you're going to have most likely um, your kids are going to have temperaments that mirror the parents. And that can also become an issue sometimes too, because, you know, maybe, um, you know, one parent is a little more sheltering and the other parent wants the kid to go and do the thing. And so that can become a butt heads thing too, because um, if you've never talked about you know, how early they're going to be able to go to the park by themselves, or if they're going to be able to go to their friend's house, those kinds of things, those are, can become big topics like like Shelly was saying so yeah yeah we I'll, I'll just do a quick synopsis Je- Jess and I we talked about um quite a few of what I think are like the really important things when it comes down to parenting mm-hmm. disciplining um yeah. I feel like in, I feel like today disciplining is probably one of got to be one of the five things that is like probably the most important um Hot topic topic mm-hmm. just like yeah. if you're going to get married i feel like religion's probably like right up there and one of mm-hmm. the most important things that you mm-hmm. can possibly talk about next to maybe money and stuff like that yeah. but mm-hmm. i mean yeah we've i mean we've jess and i've never really had too much of a problem with communication it's just um 
uh, more about adapting to what actually happens that I think everyone's yeah. going to struggle with. Like that's, if it was easy, you know, I mean, we wouldn't be having conversations <laughs> like this and having um, right. people, psychology es experts in the parenting field for the last 20 years to even give us some resemblance of like, well, you know, maybe yeah. you should be, maybe you should be looking at it this way or whatever. Like it's not supposed to be easy. Mm -hmm. Um, so why don't you run through quickly what the eight things that, um, uh, becoming us, is that right? Is, is yep. what the program is called the eight like yep. pillars that this, um, program yeah. is centered around. So the first one is prepare for your baby. Um, so that's the one where you, uh, do focus on doing that nest building plan and kind of understanding like the, the bread and butter of what it looks like finances, um, kind of just talking about the the main things that'll prepare you for that baby. Um, the build your nest um, continues in on that nest building plan um, with kind of the more pointed questions on, you know, who are those visitors versus helpers? Um, you know, who's gonna help with meal prep? Who's gonna do this? Who's gonna do that? Uh, managing expectations is a huge one because as you guys have both kind of pointed on, you go into it totally in in a different frame of mind than your partner might be. Um, so I think having those conversations at the beginning is a big thing. One of the things that um, wasn't brought up is education. A lot of the times parents have a completely different idea about how they want their kids, you know, whether they wanna homeschool or unschool or send them to traditional school or private school. Or um, that's another one that I think a lot of parents don't have that conversation until the baby, you know, or till your child is going to school and then it's a hot topic. So that's really? another one that's in the, Real quick on that, yeah. I think that's actually going to be an incredibly hot topic for 2020, probably for the next couple of years going on. Um, yeah. Some really interesting things that COVID is bringing up just in regards into that one piece. But um, please, 100%. Please no, you're totally, on. you're totally correct. Uh, so then four is setting up base camp. So that one um, talks a lot more about, you know, just making sure that you have your house um, like kind of set up. You've done your your nesting to begin with. One of the things that um, she doesn't talk about in, in the plan, but that I talk a lot about with my clients is making sure we get the nursery and we make it all pretty. Well, the problem is, is that you're probably not going to spend 90% of your time in that nursery. So it's important to have like what I call breastfeeding and diaper ba bags or baskets in like the room where you're going to be spending time because you're not going to hike yourself up and down the stairs every time you want to change that baby's, you know, butt. So just making sure that you're kind of setting up the, the areas that you need to have set up as well as having those resources and people to help you along. So that's the professional um, side that, that also goes into that uh, nesting plan that's covered in four, step four. Uh, then five is embrace your emotions, focuses entirely on the difference between primary and secondary emotions, which is another psychology thing. A lot of us don't know that, um, or if you didn't, if you didn't study psychology like I did, I have a major in psychology, the difference between primary and secondary emotions is huge because it's the difference between feeling angry or feeling irritated. And their anger is the core emotion, uh, the primary emotion, and then the secondary emotion would be feeling irritated. And a lot of the times what we do is we don't speak to the true emotion because usually if you're getting irritated about something, um, for example, she talks a lot about uh, in the program, giving an example. So for example, my husband this past weekend, um, you know, didn't do the dishes. And so that created 
where then I'm having to do the dishes. And so the core emotion for me was I'm, or the secondary emotion was I'm irritated. It irritates me that he didn't do the dishes, but the core emotion there would be, you know, frustration or anger over the fact that like he had said he would do something and then he didn't. And so get, being able to understand the difference between just being irritated or there's a core emotion that this is bringing up. And a lot of the times those core emotions go back to those attachment styles or um, you know experiences that you have had, uh, we call them triggers. So you know, like for example, some people have way worse road rage than others. Um, like if somebody cuts in front of me, I'm kind of like, eh, hey dude, that wasn't cool, but I'm not gonna like tailgate them and you know do those kinds of things. So that's the difference between triggers is kind of being able to know how to manage that emotion. And so that she really hammers really hard on um, those kinds of things, triggers. Um, also on filters, because we also have filters as adults. Um, that's one of the things that your your kids are learning to do. They're learning to like filter, oh, if I throw the toy, what happens? Um, and so that's the emotions part. There's a lot of focus. That's probably the biggest section because the emotions are the, I think personally, the biggest part of it. Because if, you, if you're not able to control that part of it yourself, um, then you're going to just constantly be pushing it on to other people. So she does in that section, you do a lot of work, not so much with your partner, but more on like learning how to manage your own emotions. And then number five, I'm sorry, number six is um, welcoming your parent self. So that talks about those definite shifts in how you have to think differently. So it talks about you want to build some relationships with people who have kids beforehand. Um, so that might be maybe you have a coworker um, and you just say, hey, could, could we go get a drink just so that I could get to know like you a little bit better so that when I do have maybe a question, I'd feel more comfortable and confident asking you versus um, doing what a lot of people do, which is like crowdsource the information. So they go to Dr. Google or Facebook or Instagram and then they they pool like 20 people's opinions. But a lot of the times, you know, those 20 people aren't you and they don't know you very well. And so it's good to have people in your corner, um, you know, like Shelly, like, like you and Shelly, how you have that relationship. You know that you can reach out to her if you have a question about something with your kids. Uh, and then seven is uh, grow together through differences. So that just talks a little bit more about how you're coming into this parenting journey as two separate people and how you can really join your, um, your journey together. And then um, connect and reconnect just kind of hammers down that um, it's really important to make sure that you're still doing some of the things that you were doing before, even though you now have a baby. I had a friend whose husband was really good about like writing her sweet little notes and doing like sweet things for her. And when they had their child, it kind of like that part of their relationship just dwindled away. Um, and he was, he was talking to me about how like she just didn't seem happy in these things. And I said, well, I'll give you one clue of something that you can do that's really simple that you were doing before. And he called me and he said, you know, like that was it. All she really needed was just that normalcy, I think is a, a big part of it too. Because when you add in, when you go from being two to three uh, or four or five, um, it changes the relationship every time. So the Becoming Us uh, model can be used either for a brand new, um, never been parents before, or it could be parents who, you know, maybe went through the parenting journey the first time and, and 
kind of wung it, like you said. Uh, and then now they're saying, okay, I'm having, you know, a second or a third, and I really want to understand this relationship with each other a little bit better so that we can build that foundation for the, for our children. Yeah, that's great. Shelly, do you have anything do you want to add to that? No, I, I'm excited to kind of jump in and get into the, the struggle that you're having with this now. Yeah. Okay, so let's get into the struggle. Adam is very opinionated about this, so yeah. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> my reptilian um, so my brain is fired up. <laughs> so my, my struggle is, um, up until this point, everything that I've developed under Thrive After Birth, um, so the organization I'm getting my new parent educator certification through is called CAPA, Childbirth and Professionals um, Association sorry, Childbirth and Postpartum Professionals Association. And they purposefully have not um, created a curriculum or um, they don't have anything that they mandate that you teach. So in some senses, that's good because I can really fine tune down to what our community needs in my, uh, my classes. The problem is, is it's a lot of doing the work on your own and then, um, yeah, kind of not being sure if that's going to work or not. So the problem that I'm running into now with becoming us is that she's very, her product is very branded. Um, it's very, it's Ellie Taylor's becoming us program. And I need to be very mindful when I'm talking about it, that I am, I'm saying that this is not my material. This is something that Ellie has spent 20 years researching. It's her baby. Um, and so I need to be mindful of that. And so that's what I'm running into a little bit is the, the marketing, how do I make, you know, Instagram posts or Facebook posts or those kinds of things while still doing the co-branding thing? Um, and so this is where I know that you have an, a definite opinion, Adam. So I'll let you, you go. Can I ask a couple <laughs> questions before Adam starts? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You make, guys make it so, sound like I'm going to start yelling and screaming. And I, I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> so I know you're one of few um, in the United States that's teaching Becoming Us, but does she have, like, you're not the only, I guess is my point. No. So like, what standards have some of these other educators in the U.S. set prior to you? So do they have their own Instagram accounts? Do they have their own Facebook accounts? Do they have their mm -hmm. own marketing plans in place? Like what are some of the standards that have been set forth for others before you? Um, I think that's kind of what, um, and that's one of the things that I mentioned before we started. And that's what Adam has the opinion about is um, she, the, the, the book has been out for a while now. Um, the, facilitator training and the courses with it um, have been out for a little less time. So I don't honestly know if besides the standards that she has set forth as far as she wants it to be um, branded similarly to her brand. So color wise, font wise, those kinds of things. Um, the other people aren't doing it. And that's probably one of the reasons why she's becoming a little more pushy or not pushy. She's not being pushy about it, but she's being more mindful of it. She has hired a marketing person that is, is helping her. And that marketing person specifically said, like, we really need to be conscious of the fact that this is Ellie's work. And I'm very respectful of that because I understand because I have built curriculums, the amount of work that goes into it. And I do want to 100% always like rely back to her. It's just the figuring out how to 
market it when I'm also having to, you know, I want to be talking about my business too, because that's who they're going to be taking it through. So those are the things that I'm struggling a little with is just that relationship, what that looks like. I mean, on a very basic level, has she supplied you with any brand standard guide or anything like that to kind of give you the the color palettes, the fonts, any of that that's acceptable to use? Um, nope, nope. And that's a good, that's, I'm going to write that down. It's that should be question. your number one question when you hang the up. mood board. Is, okay. No, not even a mood board. It, in in the marketing world, it is yep. all there's a, a brand, there's a brand standard standards. Yep. Brand so standards. Her okay. marketing person, if her marketing person is legit, not saying they're not legit, but I mean, if they've done this for other companies that are trying to franchise and work with other people, they should know that if they want you to adhere to something specific, then they should be supplying mm-hmm. with a brand standard guide. Um, okay. I mean, it's a simple one or two pages. It's going to tell you the color palettes to use. It's going to give you the number letter combinations to be yeah. able to put those into anything. It's going to give you fonts. It's going to, it's going to say, you know, we don't, you, you can use any fonts, but don't use any fonts that have this. Otherwise they're going to supply you with specifics, you know, that are in there. And if they don't supply you with that, I, I have a it's hard time to, seeing how they're yeah. going to come to you and say, you need to adhere to our brand standards, but they don't even have mm-hmm. one. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's true. So That's a good point. The reason why this is kind of, um, um, this is something that I'm slightly, uh, slightly opinionated about is because one, this is something that we're doing with uh, Clarity Coat in which that traditionally in my industry, the the people that are in that industry think they know how to market. They don't know how to market. They do not know how to do it. Um, and so what we did traditionally, what happens is if someone sells a product to a distributor in the UK, for an example, that US based company that sold it to the distributor in the UK will allow that UK distributor to set up their own social medias, websites and everything with that company name saying, I am X company, but I'm the distributor for the for Europe, right? Well, then sure. all of a sudden what ends up happening is there's going to be a difference of opinion on something. And so mm-hmm. now brand colors start to get washed out. Fonts start to get washed out. The way that you say things starts to get washed out. The entire brand message gets washed out. Mm-hmm. And then it's different in every area that you're at. Now, and what's the important part about that is, is the US-based company has no say in it whatsoever because they don't own any of that. And so now they can make requests and say, hey, you shouldn't do that. But the UK person can go, what are you going to do about it? Like, okay, fine. Like, And Mm -hmm. so from very early on, it was very important to me that any distributor that we brought on cannot set up social media or website under the Clarity Code name. Now, they can be an editor on that website or social media, as long as they prove themselves to be, you know, proficient at it or good. And, mm-hmm. um, but they cannot own any social media that has, that is, that has our name on it. They can be their own company and they can say whatever they want on their own company's social medias, but they cannot say mm-hmm. whatever they want. And that actually came up that saved us here about two weeks ago, um, which I won't get into, but Shelly is absolutely right. There should be a brand standards, which we don't have mm-hmm. to necessarily do right now because we we're the we're we're controlling that globally. But mm-hmm. if there is um, if they're wanting you to adhere to something, you should absolutely have a brand standards guide. Um, yeah. In which case, Shelly did a great job of laying all that out. I would mm-hmm. also say something that um, I got 
um, told earlier la or late last week that I never really thought about is there is now guides being put out uh, that are called like um, social branding guides. And what the whole point of that is, that brand is going to respond to things in a certain way on social media. They're going to have a, a, a tone in which they respond to things. And uh, I, I didn't get an example piece of this. So I wish I, I wish I did or else I'd send it to you. But, you know, we, they can it can be something along the lines of we're we're a high end um, brand. And so we won't answer questions on social media. If you want to answer your question, you're going to have to send us an email through our website and fill out a form. We're not going to answer mm -hmm. questions on social media. Mm -hmm. um, or it's a very engaging brand where they do answer every single question that comes about. It's, these are yeah. all things that should be covered in, in a guide because okay. just like you said, how are you supposed to know how to respond to something or what colors and everything like that to use if there's mm -hmm. nothing, if there's no, if there's no framework for it. Um, something that we got into uh, that I asked you about was if there was a contract signed per mm -hmm. marketing guidelines in which you said that, yes, there was, mm -hmm. because otherwise what I was going to say, well, she can just go pound sand. If there's no contract <laughs> yeah. that's been signed, then there's nothing that you haven't been legally obligated to do. Now, obviously mm -hmm. we could get into whether or not that's actually going to hold up, especially when you start to consider that she's in Australia, right. you're in the U S like, Good right. luck trying to enforce yeah. that. But let's just mm -hmm. go ahead and assume you're a pretty good human being and you want to stay in good standing with this person. Yeah. Um, the, the only other part that you and I discussed about was what I don't want to have happen with you, be, just because I've seen this happen personally with companies mm -hmm. that I've worked for, is where you put in all this time and effort into building out infographics and spreadsheets and PowerPoints and all this other stuff. Mm -hmm. And then because it has her branding on it, she may or may not have every right to just steal that from you and use it and, or just have you basically do 90% of the legwork. And then now um, she gets to just finish the last 10% and call it hers. And then when you mm -hmm. say, Hey, that's, that's actually mine. I should be compensated for that. She goes, right. get out of here. Shannon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I would be very, I would be, really really careful that because the midwest nice thing will severely yeah. bite you in the ass when that when it comes to pouring in a hundred hours into building out an mm -hmm. excellent curriculum and then yeah they take that for themselves give you no credit give you no mm -hmm. monetary compensation for it because it will happen and yeah i just i just hate to see that happen that's yeah that's yeah understandable <laughs> Um, no, it's, I think that I totally understand where you're coming from. And, and one of the things, um, I, it, that is good is she, she does have like any of the infographs or any of the things that like I would share that like, she does have that stuff already available for us. Um, so I think more what, you know, my, my main struggle is just, um, you know, it's the social media side. It's the, like you said, and I mean, honestly, the brand standard thing would, if they, if they have if they have that, I know there's a facilitator guide, which talks about like how we have to do the curriculum, the class part of it, but it doesn't have much mention about the marketing side. So yeah, I'll have to reach out to their marketing gal to get some better parameters or, you know, exactly what, because the, the other part of it too, that's, that's, a, that's tough is she doesn't really have any, um, like she's not doing social media 
herself. Um, so I really don't have like a guide to go off of either other than the people hold who- Wait, hold on. Pause. Pause. <laughs> Okay, wait, hold on a second. Which actually, so, I was going to ask you about on this podcast because yeah. when I was creating the event, I tried to tag Becoming Us. And it so it's Becoming Us Family is the is how you would get the correct tag for her her program. Because of it course it's like a Facebook page or is that a group or is it like what she there is a Facebook, I think it's Becoming Us Family um page. Um, so, I mean, there is a Facebook page, uh, and there is an Instagram account and all of that, but, um, it's not, she's not actively doing the social media thing. And I don't, um, you know, that's another thing, obviously that we're going to, we're going to talk about here. <laughs> um, I mean, you talk, Adam, I'm going to do some research on Facebook. Yeah. I, I just pulled up her page on Instagram, um, 83 followers with no content whatsoever. Yeah. Yep. Okay, well, that's a that's a whole nother <laughs> that's a whole nother thing. So, here's so this the way that I look at this distributor in my world, distributors and the manufacturer, it's supposed to be a symbiotic relationship, right? Mm -hmm. The mm -hmm. distributors are supposed to help grow the network in their area, whereas we're also supposed to be doing our job at a brand level globally to also yeah. just kind of like um, high tides raise all ships, right? Like that mm -hmm. that type of thing. The problem is that um, I think I, I don't know anything about this gal. She was, she's probably very wonderful and everything like that. But mm -hmm. there is an enormous amount of work that goes into this, um, especially mm -hmm. when you start having people in the U.S. And, you know, yeah. let's just go ahead and say that she's doing it globally. That's, it it is global. Yeah. Yeah. So it's an enormous amount of work that she has to go into. Mm -hmm. And if she's expecting certain brand guidelines from someone on social media and she doesn't have a template already in place of like what she's, what she's already done. That's, mm -hmm. that's not, that's not a real great symbiotic relationship right there. Right. right. And then, yeah. And Cause then, you don't have an example to follow. Yeah. And not only that, but then the question becomes, okay, I'm out here repping your brand. What are you doing for me? Mm -hmm. What mm -hmm. are you yeah. bringing in? Are you bringing in leads to me? Like, mm -hmm. is that, is that what's like, there's, there's a relationship there that both parties have to have an interest and it has to benefit both parties. It's why it's a symbiotic totally. relationship. Yeah. Um, now I <laughs> will give the benefit of the doubt to new companies all day long. It like, there's a lot that happens in your first, probably three years of business that mm -hmm. really, honestly, it's just, it's just hard to keep up with anything. Um, and so assuming that we're talking about a sub five year company, you gotta, you gotta just kind of like let them, uh, uh, give them the benefit of the doubt. Mm -hmm. But on the same token, it goes right back to what I said before. If you're pouring in all this time, effort, resources and everything like that, mm -hmm. you should also, um, can I, can I just really quickly give an example about, I really yeah. have to make it about myself, but uh, having worked, having worked in this, um, in my industry for a little while, one thing that I recognized was that good quality content was, ex was extremely tough to get, um, to get consistently from mm -hmm. installers or distributors, um, from the network, right? The manufacturers. Yep. Yep. Outside of, outside of us. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I did to create, try and create tries being the the key word here a symbiotic <laughs> yeah. relationship was i approached our installers and our distributors and i said 
I will find creatives, videographers, photographers, whatever in your area. And if you guys do a cool project and I think that it would benefit everyone, I will arrange, here's the, here's the shots that I want. Here's what I want out of this. And we can split the bill 50, 50. And then mm-hmm. you get some of the content. I get some of the content and we all win. Right. Because you taking a picture with your galaxy S 10 at a bad angle with poor lighting, like that doesn't do anyone any good. Right. I'm not going to use that. Um, but right. if I facilitate, if I do all the work on the front end and on the back end, you get the content because you did the car and mm-hmm. everything like that, then I think that helps out everyone. It helps us get a, in a constant stream of content, good quality content that then the installer gets tagged all the time. I mean, you can see where that ball starts to get rolling. Yeah, definitely. Now, in a non-symbiotic relationship or in a in a bad relationship, you would basically go to her and say, hey, I really wanted to get an infographic done of this one particular part, um, the fifth pillar. Well, I don't know what that would be, but mm-hmm. you know yeah. what I'm saying. And so I mm-hmm. create this infographic and um, what do you think? And she says, oh, that's awesome. That's such great work. Thank you so much. Do you mind if I use that? And you're like, oh, you know, it only cost me like 150 bucks or 200 bucks on Fiverr. Yeah, you know what? Just for the sake of being in a good relationship, sure. here's, you can use this infographic, which now all these people globally can now use your infographic that you paid for. Well, that's not a symbiotic relationship, right? Mm-hmm. You put all the time mm-hmm. and energy and resources into making that infographic, which right. now benefits her. And now she just pushes it out like it's her own thing. And guess what happens if you were to bring up, um, hey, you a couple of years down the road, hey, you should really compensate me for that because now you've got 10,000 um, facilitators. Mm-hmm. Um, I mm-hmm. want to be compensated. That. She's going to tell you, well, go pound sand. Like, I don't. Right. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, for sure. We've got six mm-hmm. other people in, in South Dakota to replace you, Shannon. See you later. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we'll so, see. <laughs> yeah. Well, you are you are always going to be number one in our hearts. So I highly doubt that anybody can replace you. Yeah. you. But that's, that's just where I would say if you're going to do stuff like that, perfectly fine. But on the front end, I would say, hey, if you want this, it's going to cost you this. Like I feel like that's yeah. only that's only fair for both of us. And if she has a problem with that, I would. I that's that's, yeah, that's a red flag. That's a thing. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Well, and like I like I said, I had uh, reached out to her recently, um, just because. So she has things called uh, Becoming Us uh, Seeds, and they're really kind of like, you know, the big bread and butter out of a whole chapter. She kind of synopses them. And I had said that it'd be really nice if they were on a slide because I'm a kinesthetic learner. So I need like all the things to learn. I need to hear it, see it, and do some sort of activity around it. And so she's done a really great job with her curriculum of, of having activities in there, but there's no like visual proponent of it. And so, like I said, she was super receptive to that conversation. So I'm, I'm really hoping that, um, you know, going forward, it, it would continue to, to be that way. And, and that is something that, you know, I'm, I need to be confident in, in saying like, I have these skills and I'm happy to share them. Um, but, you know, but we need to talk about, you know, what that looks like. So, yeah. One of the other questions that I have kind of comes back to something that Adam was talking about a little bit before with how they're handling things with Clarity Coat. But you are still planning to keep Thrive After Birth as the parent company and you are offering Becoming Us as a service underneath Thrive After Birth, correct? Yeah. So theoretically, at least the way I envision it, there's 
there is absolutely nothing stopping you from posting about becoming us on Thrive After Birth. You are not proposing to create your own becoming us dash Sioux Falls, South Dakota page on, on no. socials, correct? No, okay. no. Nope. So if you're only advertising, if you're just trying to create posts once a week or twice a week or whatever on under Thrive After Birth, I mean, I guess I don't really see at that point, in my opinion, they can't keep you to any sort of a brand standard when you are on your own page. Yes, you are representing yourself as a becoming us facilitator. And if you choose to not adhere to something that they've made you sign a contract on per se, that's one thing. Mm -hmm. But by you posting on Thrive After Birth, if you're asking us more specifically about social media now, yeah, like, yeah. Th there is in my opinion, there is nothing stopping you from posting on Thrive After Birth and, and creating whatever graphics you want, creating whatever infographics or, you know, PDFs or whatever on and posting them on your own pages uh, as Thrive After Birth and saying, here's an example of the material that you're going to learn about or what, I mean, obviously you don't want to give away, um, right. you know, the farm. Trade, trade <laughs> yeah. secrets or anything like that. But I mean, there's, I think... I think that's something very important for you to keep in mind is that you are not trying to create a becoming us page. You are simply trying to tell people that you can now offer this service to them. And yeah. so you're just wanting to use their logo. You're just wanting to use mm -hmm. whatever in a specific post and say, I am a facilitator now. And again, to me, I think that onus really comes back on them. Like at the point that you received your, graduation or your certificate, whatever it was that you went through for the training, they should have provided you with an entire digital and paper folder full of your marketing materials if they yeah. wanted you to adhere to something. So they should have sent you an entire folder saying, here's the materials that you can now use on social media to say that you are a certified facilitator. Here's right. the materials that you can use in uh, you know, ads, here's the materials that you can use in whatever. And if they have not provided those to you, then it's completely on not only you, but on each one of their facilitators to create their own way to market it. Otherwise, you're not going to be successful. Like if they haven't given right. you the tools, then you're demonstrating that you have the drive, the, you know, the tenacity to get forward and actually get something going with this. Don't let them stop you. <laughs> that seems really silly yeah. to me. You're like, whoa, 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 we don't want you to be successful with this yet because it's not exactly how we want it done. Well, that's not right. That's a struggle. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and I'm not, I hope this yeah. isn't coming across negatively to them as a company. That's not my point. But I think that they're not quite at the mature enough stage that they haven't provided you with the tools. And you're saying, well, if you haven't provided me with the tools and I'm going to create my own tools. And if you haven't provided me with the guides for those tools, then I'm going to move forward with them. And if you guys develop them later, and from that point forward, we have to adhere to something different, that's different. But until then, yeah. I still need to promote my business and be successful because you haven't provided me with the tools yet to do that. Yep. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. I would never... At this, at this point, at uh, this stage, I would never stop an installer or distributor from posting about clarity code or saying whatever they want to about clarity code within reason. Now, mm -hmm. if somebody were to, if somebody were to 
post and say, Clarity Coke can stop, um, can make you your car an armored vehicle and like can stop bullets and everything like that. <laughs> like, we're going to have a conversation. I'm going to call him up and say, yeah. hey, you can't be saying shit like that. And he's like, well, I didn't get a brand guideline. You know, like they would go. To, and I realize that's not what Shelly's saying, but I, I know that that's what they're trying to prevent is. Yeah. You adding on a ninth pillar or a tenth pillar that hasn't been vetted and everything like right. that to the company. But in that case, the only thing I would do is I would call them up and say, "Hey, you need to you need to take that down." And if they're like, "I'm not doing that," I'm like, "Well, then your uh, shipment yeah. of product is going to take a little while before it ever yeah. comes to you because we're going to drop you as an installer." Like, right. yeah, that type of thing. Like, and I know that's probably what they're trying to prevent. Um, yeah. Uh, but this is this kind of comes back to like communication of like, all right, we just need a really clear guideline of like what is and what is not acceptable. And that's mm -hmm. kind of where a brand guideline comes in. That's kind yeah. of where a social um, so, proofing social guideline branding. comes in. Because yeah. if, if she wants everything to be run through that marketer or a majority of the things run through that marketer first, well, guess what? That's not scalable. I, I like not right. even remotely. They're not at that point. That's that's what keeps going through my head is like, that's something that you would expect. I don't know, Sanford to do. That's not Correct. something that you would expect a person who has six U.S. facilitators to do. Right. right. Yeah. No, for sure. And and you like I said, a, I think you, you know a very large team, a Correct. very large team, in order for that to happen. Right. Yeah. And, and I think um, you kind of hit on a really excellent point too, Adam, is that, you know, one of the things I think for her is um, I, she wanted to bring this internationally uh, and it, it like happened super fast. And so um, I think that that's probably a big, a big part of it is, you know, every, every country is going to have different standards or whatever. Correct. And so um, that's definitely a conversation that I that I need to have. Uh, you know, some of the reviews that I was reading about the book, like it's it's it was interesting to me. And I told Shelly this, like some of the people were like, it was terrible because of the grammatical errors. And I'm like, she's Australian. Like they they write complete like they write differently than we do. They speak yep. differently than we do. So it's not like the content you you shouldn't. Why are you hammering down on the grammatical stuff? Like the content in the book is excellent. And so I think that that kind of just goes back to exactly what you're saying, though, is that um, it would be very difficult to have a brand standard for an international company unless you had a team of people that were constantly working on that. Oh, it's 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 a way bigger deal than what people realize, um, mm -hmm. which. So, again, going um, back to like Clarity Code, a simple two simple changes that are incredibly calm. The way words are spelled incredibly commonly elsewhere in the US, color is spelled C-O-L-O-U-R. That's mm -hmm. how color is spelled. Customizations, yeah. instead of a Z, is spelled with an S. Well, yep. you know, now you have to basically make a decision. Do we make two different kinds of brochures? One for the US and then one for mm -hmm. um, English Anywhere speaking else? globally. Yep. And then do you make mm -hmm. one for China? Or do you just kind of let distributors just kind of handle that as long as they, here's the PDF, here's what we want it to look like. You guys just need to make the grammatical changes that make sense for your area. That's right. kind of a brand guideline, but it's not obviously a very strict one. Um, sure. But it, it avoids exactly what you're talking about. Now, all of a sudden, she's launching a book in the US, but it hasn't changed wording and mm -hmm. um, grammatics for the US. And then she's sitting back here like, 
Oh my God. Like what are, why, why are they complaining about this? Like what? You, no, we're dumb Americans. We do not realize how, <laughs> like, what is this metric system? Like yeah. we, we deal in freedom <laughs> units. Like that's just the way that the United States <laughs> is. And you're never going to change that mind. Like if that's, if, um, <laughs> No, you have it. And, and honestly, and this is one of the things that, um, you know, I kind of want to put in at the end and that Shelly and I